Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Seabass of WNWS in Jackson, Tennessee. This show originally recorded on Wednesday. Today's show presented by Wellspire, Nashville's Learning and Development Center. Wellspire offers personal and professional development opportunities in a beautiful facility in the Gulch neighborhood. Stop by for an event with world-renowned speakers or host an off-site event that will wow your team or your clients. We thank our co-presenting sponsor, the Well Coffee House, which turns coffee into water and has a mission to bring clean water to the world. Today's news presented by Sutherland and Belk, an SEC sports-loving injury firm in Nashville. These guys will shoot you straight on your rights and options when you've been injured in an accident. Call them at 615-846-6200 to get your questions answered. You can also visit them online at sbinjurylaw.com. The guest line is presented by Bowling Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. I've slept on their sheets for years, and they are amazing. I had no clue how comfortable Bowling Branch sheets were until I got them. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them for a month. You can return them for free, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to BowlingBranch.com. That is spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code Vandy and get $50 off your first set of sheets. Seabass joins me from WNWS on this eventful week. How are you, sir? What's up, boy? What you doing? <laughs> Man, who considering how rough yesterday of a sports day was for me, uh, I'm gonna actually in a fantastic mood today. This has been such a whirlwind. I'm not exaggerating. I had to check my watch today to see what day of the week it was. Like I uh, think well, it's Wednesday, but I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll just say this as as tough as all you all thought it was for you, and it was, and it certainly was for me as well. Let's not forget also the cherry on top for me yesterday was Mookie Betts going to the Dodgers instead of my Padres. Yes, I bet that was a fun day for you. And oh, David Price is man. now a Dodger, a, which I didn't mind that. I mean, I, I think he can help, but this was just prolonging the more than likely obvious because, I mean, even if my boys did get him for a year, I mean, the dude turned $300 million down. He wants $420 million. Uh, we're not paying that. <laughs> so, I mean, he was going to go to the Dodgers the year after anyway, but it would have been nice to jumpstart things. Where do you want to start today? Man, hey, man, what day is today? Today Chris? is still Wednesday. It, what is the first Wednesday in February? The 5th. Mm, I know what the date is. The first Wednesday in February <laughs> is National Signing Day, sir. I was messing with you. <laughs> Because you made it easy. I really anticipated this day going very differently, signing day-wise. But, you know, I think somebody pointed out uh, very astutely that ever since that utter train wreck of a football season has ended, for the most part, good things have happened. This is true, and the best would be the Donovan Coffin signing. It's strange. What I told Chris before the start of this podcast, I said I, I had completely written Donovan Kaufman off. And look, this is one of my two or three favorite players in the entire class and was so three or four months ago. 
you know, well before the first signing period or before I even thought there was a possible, before he truly blew up. And of course, you know, it was that run to the state title uh, and, and the way that he played in it. Now he, we already knew he was very good, but that run to the state title, including the state title game itself, uh, just really put him on the map. And when he started picking up offers like Baylor and Ole Miss and and then Florida State, I just I thought, you know, and there was nothing good coming out of Nashville at that point and all the stuff going on. There was just no reason to believe that they were gonna be able to hold on to him. But if you think about it for a second, for Derek Mason and for me, I feel like he you can't say for certain, but I mean I don't know how you'd look at it any other way. He improved. And I guess I would have to say at least potentially all of the assistant coaching changes that he's made, of course, the coordinators, uh, this has to be an improvement. And with all the smoke going on around, he was able to sign a fairly solid class and bring in not one, not two, not three, but four quarterbacks uh, into this class. At the end of the day, with things going the way they did, the season going the way that it did, and the only player they lost was Jordan Butler. Now, that's a loss, don't get me wrong, it's mainly by, because of position. We all want a big run stuff in DT, no doubt. Uh, but for everything that's gone on, to replace the coaches and coordinators the way he's done, get Kaufman, and only lose Jordan Butler, I'll take that all day long. I know a little bit about the Kaufman close, and I'm not going to share the details just out of respect for the situation. Not that anything was wrong with it or illicit or against the rules, anything like that. I don't want people's imaginations to go wild, but I think Derek did a really good job in closing on that one, and I think he gets credit for that. I don't think there's any question. Now, in regards to this class, if you want to uh, take a few uh, looks at it now from the quarterback position. Now, you know me, I, I still, I mean, I, I am, I am in the Ken Seals camp because I just, I, I fell in love with this kid a year ago or not quite a year ago, but close to it, man. And I, I just think he's got a chance to really, really be a special player. And Mike Wright too, the Juco's that they're bringing in uh, two big guys with big arms in Musa and Clark, the Danny Clark kid, the guy that they signed today, I'd heard whispers about this being a possibility a week or two ago. And he's a big old, big old lefty man. who has been playing at uh, Kapaya Lincoln and had a really nice season this year. And uh, dude, I'll tell you what, uh, I, I watched, I turned on that film and I'm looking at this South Paul Lick hit 62 yards uh, in the air on the first play. And one thing that stuck out is, man, this dude, now that doesn't make you a good quarterback, uh, but there is one thing that's for sure. If he needs to get the ball there, if he doesn't do it, it'll be because of his inaccuracy. It won't be because of his, his arm strength, because that is something uh, that Danny Clark clearly has. You know, they got four different options here. Now we know uh, that Ken Seals is already there and on campus is going to go through spring. I don't know if Moose is going to be able to, to do so. Uh, I know he's coming back from an injury of some kind that uh, may or may not allow him to play in the spring. I don't know about Danny Clark. I don't know if he is playing in the spring or he will be there in the summer. That I'm not sure. Uh, but, I mean, I think all four of these guys uh, have something about them that, that, that certainly is, is attractive. But for a team who is going into the spring without quarterback who took a snap last year on this roster, 
you had to sign multiple quarterbacks and they did so. And, you know, I, I think for sure they've got at least one very good quarterback in this class. And look, eventually somebody's going to say, look, I want to play ball and they're going to leave or whatever the case may be. But, uh, you know, from that position, I thought that they did really well. And if you were to go by rivals rankings, which I do, I'm looking at, and we've seen a lot of years where we're solid, you know, we're straight five fives across the board with a five, seven here. But listen to this, Chris, I ain't gonna say the names, but just listen to this five, eight, five, seven, five, seven, five, six, five, eight, five, seven, five, six, five, seven, five, six for Vanderbilt. That's pretty freaking good, dude. And and coming off of a three-win season when you had such expectations and so much coaching turnover to solidify a class class like this, I like the offensive line prospects. Bradley Ashmore is already there and and learning the ropes. But as I look through this class, I look at guys like him and and Seals. I, I think one of the more underrated guys is Griffin Lampton, the the young man out of St. Thomas Aquinas, who I think uh, can pack on a little weight and be pretty good. I like some of the offensive linemen. I like Ben Co- Ben Cox and Kivo Wesley. I think Diego Lamonica is a very intriguing tight end. Prospect prospect out of Miami that has a chance to be pretty good. And then a guy who at one time was an Alabama commit and to Ricky Wright, uh, the linebacker slash whatever you want him to be. There's a lot to like about this 2020 class, Chris. Yeah, I think by Vanderbilt standards, it's above average for sure. And I mean, probably good, to be honest. Yeah, and if you think about it, and, and uh, even though they technically are not part of it, but because of, of the fact that they will be available to them, you can almost count Derek Green and, uh, oh, good grief, young man transferred in from Florida. I'll think about it in a minute. Malik Langham. Uh, Malik, Malik Langham, as, um, you can almost count them as part of this class too. And all of a sudden, there's an injection of some pretty talented players, and I know they're young, but – uh, that have a chance to come in and really help this team out in a big way right away. Oh, what, by the way, one player that I did not mention just now that I am massively high on, and you already know this, is uh, Logan Kyle, the wide receiver out of Tomball, Texas. Uh, I think he plays next year as a freshman and, and is one of the top I, I, I believe that much in Logan Kyle. You never know, but uh, I have to throw him in there. Now, as far as where we go, sir, I live to serve. I follow your lead. Well, obviously, some big stuff went down yesterday. I didn't know if you wanted to get to that or if you wanted to feel that as it comes in the mailbag or what your thoughts were. I mean, I had my view of it being in the middle of it. Um, I don't know when and where you were when you found out the news about Malcolm yeah. Turner, but anything that you want to talk about there? Well, there's nothing that I can say that anybody hasn't heard or said 25 times since yesterday uh, and, and all the stuff leading up to it. It's uh, it's just a big, fat mess, and you start contemplating things and thinking, can I continue to do this? Can I, you know, why should I? I don't have to. I'm not – financially bad. You know, I, I, I don't have to do this. I can pick another team if I wanted to. People do it all the time. But, you know, I'm one of those lifers, man. I don't know how to do anything else. And yesterday was yesterday was pretty tough. And I think one of the main reasons it's so tough is because we just we don't have any answers, you know, going forward. With Candace Story Lee to be the new athletic director full-time, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. Um, 
got to say this. I, you know, if, she, if she's the best person for the job, man, hey, bring it on. I, I, trust me when I tell you all I care about, all that I care about is finding the right person for this job who who can handle it, but at the same time understands this is, guys, this is athletics in the SEC. That's what we're up against. That's what we're here for. All the other things aside, they're wonderful and they're an important part of life and diversity and all this other stuff. That's great. That's wonderful. That's not what we're here for. This is for athletics in the Southeastern conference. Now, if she's the best person for the job, amen, go get them, Candace. If I can interrupt you, I'll tell you what I just could not stand about that press release. That press release was written for an inside an audience inside the university and not its fans. Because yeah. its fans yeah. don't and care anything about that. And that is my fear of where all this is headed. That it's just another yeah. way to tell everybody, screw you, you don't matter. Nothing to do with Kansas. She just is in the middle of it. But I saw the way that was written. I'm like, can you imagine if they wrote something like that at the University of Alabama? or any other Power 5 school, can you imagine what the fans would have said and done? No, they never would have found themselves in that situation to begin with. Well, so. of course. And I that's mean, that's yeah. why Vanderbilt never digs out of its own holes. It's stupid stuff like well, that. You know, but here's what I would say. Do a search. Do a legitimate, exhaustive search. Not who you think would be good culturally. Not who you think would fit some t- sort of, of agenda but who would be the very best athletic director for your university? Nothing else. Nothing else matters. I'm sorry. This, I mean, it, at the end of the day, it only matters who can get the job done, who can raise funds, who can redirect everything and be that linchpin that holds all this thing together. Because right now it's scattered in a million pieces. If Candace Story Lee is that person, sweet. That works for me all day long. But what I would hope is that this time go out and do a real actual search. And let me tell you something, because as you mentioned, there were names out there that weren't even contacted that you know for sure were interested in this job. And they never got a sniff because they didn't fit a certain criteria. And that is wrong. And it's not fair. And here's what I would say to you. They have an opportunity right now. I mean, nobody believes in them in any way. No one does. But go out, do a true, exhaustive search. And if Candace Story Story Lee happens to be the best person for this job, I'll be the first person to welcome her there. I will. But make sure, make sure that this is, that's the hiring that you, the hires that you make are for the right reasons and not to say, get, look what we did. This university, I promise you, socially has nothing to prove to anybody in the world. They've already proven that 10 times over. Okay. So now it becomes who's most qualified job. And the thing that concerns me is. I don't have a whole lot of faith, and they can take it however they want. I don't really care. I don't have a whole heck of a lot of faith in the people doing the hiring right now. Why would I? Why would any of you at this point? 
So I think that the people that are actually in charge of this, who sit down and talk to these people and interview them and listen, because these are the same people that interviewed Malcolm Turner. Okay, so there, it, this isn't just about the people they bring in. It's about the people that are doing the interviewing as well. And they, that group of people needs to have vast experience in what it means to compete or to or work, build programs, coach, whatever the case may be. Those type of people are the type of people that need to be involved with this search because I think it was you that said something the other day, something to it along, along the lines of, you know, can can we let the the football coaches determine the curriculum for the school of divinity or something like that? And that would be completely impossible, and would be mock and laughed at as it should be. Well, I think I think one, the same should be said here. This is a position that needs to be that needs to be taken care of. This in regards to who's doing the interviewing by people who understand what it means. And I don't have any faith in that right now. So to me, forget about who they're bringing in. I need to see those people step up. You know what I mean, Chris? Don't you think that there should be, I mean, didn't they put some kind of panel together last year or something like that? And it was, it was just not conducive to putting together the right type of search committee. Yeah. Let me tell you two things. Okay. If they are going to hire somebody to run the engineering school, how do they do that search? Uh, I would assume by finding engineers. They say, who's the best guy that we can get that already runs an engineering department somewhere and has experience at that? And they go get him. And, and then you make sure that you fit at Vanderbilt and all those things. But the way they do an athletic director search is they say, well, who might fit at Vanderbilt? They don't say who might be the best AD. They pigeonhole themselves in this narrow little definition to say who might work here, and that excludes all kinds. Of, they don't start by saying who were the best ADs and might they work. They get their preconceived idea of who might fit and what that might look like. That's number one. Number two, anytime they form a committee, they must have had 25 people on the one last year. And I'm like, the two people that I would have started a committee with were Tim Corbin and Tim Thompson. Because I'll tell you what, those two alone know more than everybody else at that university put together. And Tim doesn't work for the university, but he's the color commentator. He works for Nike as a sales rep. He knows everybody. Those two alone know more than anybody else they could put on any put committee put together. And when those two didn't get put on the committee, I'm like, look out. Because that tells me they were not wanting to be pushed. They were not wanting to be pushed outside their circle of comfort. And those two guys, I bet you would have done it. And that was trouble well, from the beginning. And, then, and if that same thing, history repeats itself, then it doesn't matter who they bring in. Right. You, you know, so I, I don't know who it is nobody when it comes to Vanderbilt. I'm not anybody at all. I'm nothing. But I know that there are people who are somebody that are listening to these podcasts that listen to this right now. And if you're the mover or shakers that I think you are, 
that you need to move and you need to shake and you need to demand that this is the way. And nobody's asking you to compromise the ethics of this university. Nobody is asking you to do that. They're asking you to serious, take serious the mission of athletics in the Southeastern Conference to go along with the mission of that university. You don't have to make a deal. You don't have to do some type of Faustian deal with the devil to be good in athletics. You don't. But good grief. It's just like Chris said, those two names. And I would agree. I think any sports fan, anybody on your board would have said, as far as that committee goes, if there are two names uh, that need to be on that thing, I guarantee you 90% would have said the same two names that you just mentioned. And I, and I'm one of them. They must people like that must be involved in this. Don't put people who don't know, don't even, don't put people. How about this, Chris? Don't put people who couldn't tell you who Kyle Shermer is on a committee like that. Don't put people who couldn't tell you who Kumar Rocker is on that committee. They don't belong there. You want to know the tales about their process. When their press releases about search committees and hires are obviously written to please their internal academia audience, and it is so tone-deaf to anybody would be listening to this podcast, that is triple red flag number one. And the other one, I can forgive a bad hire, okay? Like the Bryce Drew hire, it just didn't work out. Now, maybe they could have dug in there better and figured out that Bryce had a sweet situation at Valpo, and for some reason it just wasn't going to work. I think there were some red flags about a year and a half in. Some people might say the first game or two, but they weren't obvious from the outside. You looked at that and said the guy was 100 games over in the Horizon League in five years or six years or whatever. That's pretty good. Which is a good league, by the way. Yeah, it's not a, I mean, it's not a bad league. This one never thought it could go that badly. That's fine. It just didn't work out, okay? And sometimes that happens. But when you can spot the red flags before the process starts, that's when you deserve to get hammered. Totally agree. Totally agree. And again, I know it sounds like everybody's trying to tell you how to do your jobs. You know what you're looking for. I get all that. Just recognize that this is bigger than you, that this is not just about you, that there are thousands of people uh, who this matters to, you know, and don't just check a bunch of boxes just so you can say that look what we did, you know, and then you continue to be an embarrassment athletically. In, in, in so many arenas, because you know what? We're still here. There's a group of us that we can't do anything that doesn't start with you. It has to start with you. So if you are one of those people that is listening to this, you don't have to take my advice. Again, I'm nobody, but you know what's right. And you know that you know that the entire industry thinks that we're a big, fat, freaking joke. We're not asking you to sell your souls to the devil, but do what's right. Do an exhaustive search. Find the best person. And one more time, if it is Candace, then Candace will be, and, and I'll be behind her 100%. But don't put somebody in there that's not ready for this job to check a box. That's not right. Shall we bail back? I like mailbagging. 
Our mailbag is sponsored by my friend Mark Gent at Simply a Fan. Mark organizes sports trips, transportation, hotel tickets, basically whatever you need. And we'll be organizing trips to several Vanderbilt road destinations this spring, as well as one for the women's basketball game at Tennessee. Visit Mark's site at simplyafan.com for more details. Mark's a great guy, puts on a great trip. If you are thinking about taking a road trip, you need to do it through Mark. Bandy Nash says, do either of you have a view on how Susan Wente views athletics? Champion, status quo, detractor. I don't know her. I mean, I, Chris, that'll have to be a Chris question. I mean, he's, he's been closer to that situation. I, I don't know her enough, uh, enough about her uh, to be able to comment on that accurately. I know that she shows up at games. I think she's a, an active baseball fan, so she's at least at the park, which the last chancellor wasn't. So there's that. Beyond that, I don't know. I mean – the thing about Vanderbilt, there's just so much political pressure inside that school that unless you really have the will to stand up to it, even if you like sports, it's hard. But I don't get that. What are they going to do to you? I mean, when you say political, what are they going to do? You know, that's where... Malcolm Turner did so much to damage his credibility... I do wonder how many times he had a battle inside the school that he couldn't win, that it wasn't a fair fight, and we'll just never know. We'll just never know. I mean, like I said, I think the de- decision to fire him was perfectly defensible. I think when you can't trust a guy, you just, you just can't trust him, and you need to move on. But I have a lot of unanswered questions about what that was like, and unfortunately, I just don't know who to trust. Because I really don't trust him, and I don't trust them. Seems fair. <laughs> Who can you trust? You. <laughs> you got that right. Uh, yeah, yeah, I feel the same. And, and, and the thing is, that it didn't even take a year, Chris. Isn't that crazy? It didn't even take a year. One year How and three days. How, yeah, but I mean, the ride that we're talking about official hire, but I'm talking about before this all broke down completely. It didn't break down last week. It had been going off the rails for a little bit now. They couldn't keep it straight on track for a year, Chris. And this was your guy. I mean, this was, this is who y'all sat down and said, this is the man for the job. That's why I say, you know, it don't even matter who they bring in until they get themselves right and decide just exactly, well, hopefully they haven't already made that decision because if what exactly they're looking for uh, is, is, is not who can get this athletic department to its highest height. Well, and that's where I go back to not wanting people. They don't want people outside the process that'll push them and maybe lead them to places they don't want to go. And look, all of us are resistant to that in some way. But here's the thing. There were at least yellow flags there with Malcolm Turner in private. I knew about them pretty quickly. You get people on a committee who know athletics inside and out and know the people to call or know the people to ask or know the people directly, and you save yourself the kind of mess that they had this week. 
Like, even if you don't want to be pushed and find, like, a real legit AD from the outside who's been great and might come in and do stuff you're uncomfortable with, not an ethical way, but just in a and make you strain a little harder, even if you don't want that, that's why you have people on your committee and in your process that know that world really well. And not a consultant. Man, those consulting firms, man, those things so many times are so worthless, and they're so incestuous. And I think that had a lot to do with what happened here and what part of their problem is. That See, that's the thing. There is good that also comes with being pushed that keeps you out of messes exactly like the one they're in, yet I think they're too proud and too stubborn to change. I hope to God well, I'm wrong. And we had to pay money for that, right? <laughs> We had to pay money for those suggestions, and but I want to uh, before. Hey, you—you you can hear me scream at you for free, Vanderbilt. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, or at least a third of the cost. Um, you, you mentioned the political pressure, but you need to explain that to me. Political pressure to what? What are you going to do? Somebody yeah, said to me, you, and I think this is the best explanation. Are, go ahead. That they are scared of their own shadow. Which I don't get. What does that mean? I don't know. I'm just telling you that is what I have been told from somebody in a fairly significant faculty role there that they are scared no, of their own, which makes no I, sense I, to me because that says to me you're letting the inmates run the asylum. Look, I, this is not about the person that told you that, but that's not an answer. That they're scared of their own shadows. Just a just a, a blank statement. I, I mean, what does that mean? Literally, that everybody's walking around there. I don't know what to do. I don't understand. I'm worried somebody's going to politically uh, chastise me here. I, wh- what? I mean, somebody's going to have to give me an answer to that because of pol- political pressure. What political pressure? Sorry, wish I could help you out on that one, but. Uh, Ann Arbor. I'm not saying that doesn't exist, but I mean, come on. Ann Arbor Door says, has Malcolm Turner benchmarked ADs at schools similar to Vanderbilt? For example, Duke Northwestern has said of high-spending state schools, you think he might have been more successful. Could, could you say the question again? I'm sorry. Basically, he wants to know if the comp- the comps he got were Duke and Northwestern, stuff like that, instead of some of the others that he went towards, would he have been more successful? I mean, heck, I don't know. I mean, look at Northwestern's thing on the lake there. That's crazy. That's That's as good as anything anybody's got built anywhere. It was, but you know, uh, Chris, I, I will tell you, uh, somebody who went and saw it before before that was the case, as awesome as Evanston is, and as beautiful as that is, just I mean, I mean, you're on Lake Michigan, Chris. It's amazing, uh, facility wise. That they they needed it. That stadium was just, ugh. Uh, and the facilities were needed. They got it. You know, and they're going to reap the benefits from that going forward. There's no question about that. And even if you hate sports, Chris, come on. Can't you see the, the financial side of things? You know, can't you see the potential there from a finance? You don't have to love football. I don't need y'all to, with the bow ties to come to the game if you hate football. I don't care if you're there or not. You know, but take the take the bl- the blinkers off and recognize that there's a bigger picture out there and as far as if it were at a different type of school yeah I'm with you I, I don't know I don't know if, that, if that's the case I think the people there who make the decisions would rather be comfortable than successful 
Well, I don't care what they want. Who cares what they It's not about them. Well, you unfortunately, know, if, it is. If they're sitting around and where, but it's not. It, it, it's not if no one puts them on blast. And I'm talking about blast, you know, because at the end of the day, they still have a job to do and they're not doing it. They're just not, Chris. I mean, I understand that Vanderbilt's a very different place, but how long are you going to sit there and use that excuse? Well, Vanderbilt's just a different place. And they count on that. Well, Vanderbilt's just a different place. But what happened when you put a little pressure on them? You remember that, Chris? Had Nick Zippos running to his car away from the away from the media. And what happened when people started asking tough questions and digging and making it uncomfortable for them? They didn't like it very much, did they? Yeah, but, but you, you know what respond. you know what they do? They they put up a wall, they buy themselves delay tactics. David resigned, but then there's gonna be a search and then then they land Malcolm in December after they know they're going to have a vacancy in September. And then you got the holidays and then Malcolm can't come to work till February the 1st. And then, you know, well, you can't really expect him the first year because he's new and he hasn't done anything. And now there's about to be the, well, we're going to start over. I mean, I guess they may be able to build on some things that he'd done and who knows what those were. I, again, I question everything at this point. That's, that's, that's nothing but a bunch of big fat excuses. Don't, well, you know that's, what? That's, that's, that's my point. That's, they, they always know how to push everything back. You know, in 20, 2014, 2015, it's going to be, hey, the new stadium's going to be part of the capital campaign. And then a year or two passes by, and then it's not in the campaign. Then it's, well, we can't this and we can't that. They always know how to keep everybody just at arm's length. And so what do y'all say? Okay, well, well all right. No, ratchet up the pressure twice as much. What are they going to do? You ratcheted up three times as much. What are they going to do, Chris? Kill you? No. There's nothing they can do. But when people sit back and say, well, it's just, I guess just the way, it's been, the way it is here at Vanderbilt, that's what those type of people count on. And that is why they get to continually do that same behavior and we'll just sit Say, well, we'll see what happens here and there. Are you kidding me? Who is allowed to operate that way? Why would that be okay? The pressure needs to be ratcheted up 5,000 times to where I, I don't care about their comfort. And yes, I know, Chris, I don't know how things work at Vanderbilt. I didn't go there, and Vanderbilt's a unique place, and this, this, and blah, blah, blah. Okay, it's that those, these are all excuses and too many people have had it way too easy over there because of no pressures ever put on them. I don't, and I don't even know when I mean, when I say pressure, I don't know where that needs to come from, who it needs to come from, how it needs to come from. I just know it needs to happen because if it doesn't, they'll just sit there in their ivory towers comfortable as they always have been and keep you and me and everybody else at arm's length. Those walls need to come down and they need to come down today. If improvements are limited to student-athletes' facilities and locker rooms, is that a positive improvement? Um, I don't get the question. You said all they do is is what? I think what the question was is they don't do anything for the fans, but they do stuff for the players. Is that a positive development? 
Oh, if that's the case. Oh, okay. Okay. If, if they just do improvements for the fan, for the players and not the phantom. So that's a, Hey, you know, that's a really good question. Uh, I just come up with some homogenized answer. I want to think about this for a second because I mean, look at the end of the day, the improvements that they make for the to better players, their amenities that I want. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt. I mean, they're certainly necessary, but I got to be honest with you. I'll go back to 2012 and I think about 41 to 18. And I think about some of those games that I went to, you know, and there'd be about 38, 39,000 people there. And we're beating the crap out of some good team. Uh, man, I didn't notice concession stands or, toilets or who's wearing a paper hat or any of this other stuff. I was having a party with my Commodore brothers and sisters. I would like a combination of the two, but for me, first and foremost, take care of those kids, get them what they need. Five Star Door says, if there's a national search for a permanent replacement AD, would we be able to attract as much interest in the position as a year ago? Man, all this fiasco that has happened the past couple of days certainly would seem to put a wrinkle in I'll ask you, I'll answer by asking you this, Chris. Do you think that some of the other people that were interested in it last time around uh, and some of the ones who were interested and in didn't get called, do you think they would be interested in it this time around after, after what just happened? Uh, that's a phone call I'll probably make tomorrow or I might even ask around tonight I just haven't had time to get to that yet I mean there's look there's there's a ton of follow-ups from you know from from all this um, I, I've been so engrossed in this Turner story for two weeks that I'm, I'm still kind of getting out the wreckage of that and, and haven't t- had time to look ahead but I will find out I mean they may have looked they may have killed this job to the degree that nobody cares now, that nobody would want the job. And I would blame them. But they might not have either. I don't know. That's the other side. Or maybe they didn't. Yeah, or maybe they haven't. The right hire, one hire, the right hire, get the right person in, an innovative person who, you know, who respects tradition and certain values and things, but also at the same time leads you into into a new a new generation of Commodore athletics. That's not impossible, but you have to be willing. HD young says on Adam Sparks, podcast says, sorry, I cheated on you, Chris. And I will say that's fine. You can cheat on my podcast with Adam Sparks. If you like Adam's good dude. Uh, anyway, says like he seemed that. to imply that spending differences came from different philosophies between the AD and the school and not so much the wastefulness of the AD. Do you guys see any merit in that? I, that, that, man, I, I have to yield to Chris. He knows way more than I do. I think there was some truth to that. I think that's, I don't know, man. When, when you are, when you're hiring cars and chartering planes on the spur of the moment, you know, for flights to Memphis and stuff like that, I don't know. Just nobody, I'll put it this way, nobody that I talked to as I pressed in thought that all that money that they spent was justified. And apparently the administration didn't either. And from what I know, I'm going to take the rare side of the administration on this one. 
Right. I, I guess the only thing that I would ask is, and and look, and, and you told me some about about some of those things. Seems a little lavish, yeah. But at the same time, are you trying to tell me that that was money that was going to be earmarked for major, the type of improvements that we would be able to notice, but now we can't do because the dude had a chauffeur? Well, it was more than that. No, no, I understand that. It was a lot more than that. Yes, and I'm not belittling the point, but my point is how much could it have been? I mean, we had the type of money that we need for our improvements are in the multi, multi millions. He didn't spend that. Well, the problem is I think that some of the money he did spend could have been wisely used on some other stuff. I will say this in his defense. The last time I went through uh, McGugan, some things have been spruced up a good bit. They looked a lot nicer. But I I will tell you this. My phone never rang once during all the stuff I wrote the last two weeks with anybody defending him. And that, to me, is pretty telling. And I get that. I get that. But didn't you want to say the last year that uh, before Bryce Drew really went south, uh, that he couldn't get a million, was a million dollars or something like that for something inside a memorial that needed to be addressed? I don't remember what it was. Oh, it uh, wasn't even nearly that much. Yeah, but... Uh, okay, so if that's the case, if he because I, I, you know, I mean, I hear you about Malcolm, but nobody defending it. But come on, I mean, if if it's something that they can't even get a million dollars for in memorial uh, to spruce things up, what are we really talking about? Okay, here is where Vanderbilt gets in its own way and can't seem to get out. Okay, you okay. could go in that place. And do darn near anything that you wanted to do and blow a ton of money. And then when the walls come closing in, you can say, well, you know, look at the culture. Nobody ever spends any money, blah, blah, blah. It's a mark, man, is it is an easy mark. It would not be hard for somebody to come in and do God knows what with God knows how much money and then point the finger at Vanderbilt, and because of its history, come off as credible, theoretically. Well, I mean, you know, then there's then we're having another discussion now. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I say what I said only to say that, look, because I, I, Chris makes a great point when no one's defending you, that's, that is kind of telling, especially when they have the ability to do so and it not get back who was doing the defending. So yeah, when nobody decided to do that, I, I, I get that. But at the same time, I mean, that that's has a reputation of being just utterly dysfunctional. And it's strange because we're considered one of the top universities in America. And yes, I said, we, I, did I go there? No, but I think after 40 plus years and who knows how much money and heartbreak I get to say we at this point without reservation. Um, but we make some of the dumbest decision for a place that is supposed to harbor nothing but smart people. Vanderbilt's biggest problem is that it's poorly run. I don't think it's a conspiracy against athletics necessarily. I really don't. I don't think it's the board has a conspiracy against athletics. I really don't. I just think that you know? they make so many bad decisions 
in the so, institution so is, is scared of itself and has no common Wait. sense, and I think it just bleeds over into athletics. Wait, Chris, you can't say that they wouldn't even look at Tim Corbin, you know, a guy like Tim Corbin or Tim Thompson in regards to a hiring committee and then say they, they have nothing against athletics. No, I think that that's they don't want to be pushed. Oh, well. Well, we wouldn't want to push you. I mean, you all clearly know what you're doing. <laughs> that's some brilliant folks over there. Dusty Orleans says, could the fan base football and men's basketball be brought back, or is it too late? Must it be completely rebuilt? Must it be completely rebuilt? Uh, I think it has to be completely rebuilt. I mean, I think there's a large faction of people that aren't going anywhere. Uh, Is it fixable? That's tough, man, because – because if you listen to Chris, and I'm pretty sure he's a lot more in tune than anybody else I know, the people there that are in charge don't want it fixed, that are quite happy with the way that it is and want us all to shut the hell up and go away. Man, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if it was just a look, if this was just a matter of finding this someone uh, to come in and, and answer all our prayers, if it was down to one, if it was up to one person to come in with a great game plan, that would be great. But I don't know that that person exists because of the things that the battles that they would have to fight internally uh, with people who don't want to see athletics thirsty and just. And unfortunately, they uh, they apparently have the most say so because. You know, I'm going to ask you a question. You can choose to answer it or not. And it doesn't matter to me. But here's what I know. And you've, you've heard this line on movies, and it's absolutely true. Someone is in charge. You go up high enough, there is a single person. Now, I don't know who that is, and maybe you do. But whoever they are, they either utterly hate athletics in every conceivable way or they're not very smart well it's just i mean and and i clearly they're smart because if because that person does exist and to be in a position like that you have to have some kind of scruples about you i i would think so the best i can tell is they have they have no interest in seeing athletics succeed at this university or or Maybe so, but on their terms. But I am 100% positive of something and that there is a particular person. No, I can't tell you who that person is. They exist. There's no doubt about that. I promise you I'm going to botch this explanation. And so don't focus on the details, but kind of the spirit of it. I was talking to somebody last night, this being Tuesday night, about the chancellor search and how it went down. And he said, you know, there's like this one big committee over here and this other smaller committee over here. And then there's one committee and group of people, a smaller group that's out talking to people in the community. And then this other one, and then there's this other group, this really small group of people who made the decision on that. And I may not even know who all of them are. He said, that's just kind of how Vanderbilt works. It's like, you got all these little factions, you got one doing this and one doing that. And, and at the end of the day, you got one little bunch of people making the decision, uh, and they don't talk, and you don't always know who's. And it's it's just like it's even the people inside Vanderbilt have trouble making sense of it. 
And I swear, I've been thinking for a while about putting together a podcast of how Vanderbilt works, just because I think I think a lot of athletics is explained by the university. I think the athletic program is sort of a subset, and a lot of the the school's ways that it works and a lot of the school's leadership issues and transparency issues just kind of bleed over into athletics and manifest themselves there rather than being somebody having a conspiracy against athletics. I know people don't believe that. I know people are looking for one specific finger to point, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll guarantee you this. Um, if I research this more, I would have more details, and I might come back and say, well, you know, I was wrong here or a little bit off there, or there's this other thing out there that that I didn't know about. So I'm not telling you that this is the defensive, definitive answer on how it works over there, but I am telling you kind of where I am in my research and my working theory. It's very interesting when you find out how complicated an animal that is and how the decisions are just controlled by a very few people inside a, like I said, a, a little black box that is not at all transparent. Well, and I'm sure that's 100% right, but I guarantee you there's somebody who, if they say enough, enough with 47 different factions and one thing getting decided over here and one thing getting decided over there. There's a person out there that if they say enough, then it's enough and the stuff stops. Again, I mean, you you probably find out who that is today if you wanted to, but they exist. And, and if that type of, of just, I don't even know the, word, the right term to describe it, uh, and not inadequacy, but just, I don't know, uh, folly, if you will, is allowed to go on, then they're the ones that are allowing it. Because I guarantee you, if they wanted that stuff stopped today, they could. They could. They, they'd have enough influence to say, here's what, here's what we are going to do going forward. Here's who we are. And this is the deal, but they may like it the way that it is. And if that's the case, then we are having a fruitless conversation and always will, as long as they're around. And that's an experience of the nation. Either that or everybody's stupid. And I know better than that. Because while we may play silly and say the stupid or smart people, those people are brilliant. And they're very schooled business men and women who know what they're doing. And to operate that way, is either it's either you're either doing it on purpose or <laughs> I, I don't know what the other but you either doing it on purpose or something or you're you're maybe you're not quite as smart as I'm giving you credit for uh but uh, it's it's it certainly is frustrating for those you know that are the those are us that are at the bottom of the hill if you will Mr. Vanity says, if they signed Kaufman today, which of course they did, would that be considered one yeah, of Mason's best recruits since he's been there? Heck yeah. If, if, for no other reason, the versatility. I mean, when we talk about a guy who uh, has played multiple sports, multiple positions uh, on the football level and a high on a extremely high level. I think it was the state championship MVP. Uh, they like to get him the ball on special teams. They like to get him the ball on offense. Uh, they like to have him on the football field all the time. I mean, what player does that conjure up memories of? And I'm not calling them that. 
I'm just saying the things that he did while he was at Vanderbilt. Who does that remind you of? One more time. It should be very easy. It should be a very easy answer. This is a guy who uh, they put on the field a lot. Uh, you know, they, they wouldn't mind getting him in on special teams. They wouldn't mind getting him on offense. Uh, certainly shined on the defensive side of the ball, move him all around the secondary. It, I think Donovan's clearly a safety, but um, because of his height. But, I mean, it's just a guy that is a jack of all trades. Now, who does that remind you of? Oh, well, that's DJ Moore. That's DJ Moore. I mean, any other, any Vanderbilt fan that's been around for any amount of time knows that answer is DJ Moore. And am I saying he becomes DJ Moore? No, I have no idea. Uh, but I wouldn't bet against it. I mean, I, I am, I, I'm really excited about Donovan Kaufman. And again, I, I give so much credit to coach Mason. I mean, we bag on him when he has it coming and, 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 and so when he pulls off something like this, you, you, you gotta be willing to throw an attaboy out there. And this was certainly a major one because this secondary, you know, they've recruited well in the secondary from a rankings standpoint and a stars standpoint, but not everybody's really panned out. We've had a couple, of course, Juwan certainly did. And, and Hey, you know, I think Tay Daly's got a chance to be a really good football player. We, you know, Deshaun Jerkins showed some promise last year. We need guys like Harris to show, you know, we need some of these other cats that have been pretty highly thought of uh, to really step it up. He's just another in the long line, but I'm about as excited as uh, uh, for for Donovan Kaufman as I am for any secondary player that they've signed in the last ten years, not named Juwan Williams. Okay, last one from SR Kane that I've got to go. Project the leader in these categories for the 2020 football team: passing, rushing, receiving, sacks, interceptions. Ooh, my favorite question so far. Uh, let's start with passing. That may be the hardest one, right, Chris? I mean, seriously, that that may be the hardest one. Uh, I hope it's just one quarterback. I, I I want somebody to step up and win this job. And I just think, of course, you again, you know, how high on him, but especially with the with the spring experience, and he's going to get a lot of workload. And I know that he's really been working uh, with the new coordinator, and he certainly likes him a lot. Uh, I'm going with Ken Seals in passing. Um, in rushing, I mean, how, how could I take anybody but Brooks here, Chris? Wakefield. Wakefield is coming off of an injury and he carried the ball one time last year. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying th- these, these are almost impossible to answer. I'm just saying, I think Wakefield would have been oh. their guy a year ago. I mean, or would have been their guy now, if not for the injury. So we, that's kind of an incomplete answer. Cause we don't know how he'll recover. I'm sticking with Brooks. I, I, I'm going to stick with Brooks. Um, I, I think he's more explosive. You know. Uh, let's see. Now this one could be difficult. Now what do we have left? Uh, receiving sacks and interceptions. Yeah. Uh, uh, the the sacks thing. I think uh, we're going to both. I'm going to. I don't know. Though could be very interesting, man. There's an, again, you know, I like Logan Kyle a lot, but you know, there's some good young receivers in this core. Cam Johnson, somebody you could take a look at, but you know what? I mean, even though I liked his true freshman year a little bit better, I still think that CJ Bowler has a chance uh, to end up with a pretty good career. So though I probably ought to say Johnson, 
I'm going to go with C.J. Bowler here. Sacks and interceptions. No, 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 no. Don't sacks and interceptions me. Who do you got? Oh, well, you haven't asked me till now. I, I take Cam Johnson. I think he's the best receiver on that team. Okay, now, so is your answer Wakefield or is it Brooks for the running back? I think I'm going to go with you because of the question. I just threw Wakefield in there in case you forgot about him. Oh, I didn't forget about him. Okay, fair uh, enough. And, and and now, what about the quarterback position? Because that's that's uh, just I mean that's, that's a complete dart throw. I mean, I'll I'll go with Seals like you just because he's healthy and he's there, and it's just impossible to predict that one. Yeah, that's tough. Now, Sachs, I'm going with Dio. Who are you going with? Yeah, that's as good as I have. I just, I don't know who else you would take over him. No, well, no, no. Well, hang on a minute. Um. <laughs> Depending on his role, Elijah McAllister. Yeah, you know, that's fair. Uh, that is fair. I, I mean, you know, that's one thing that those two cats have, and we know that this coaching staff likes it a lot, but both of those guys have plenty of length. You know what I mean? And and and, and you either have that or you don't, and, and they both do. So that's fair. Uh, I, he would definitely be my 1B, but I'm still going with Dio. Uh, now here comes, here comes a tough question. And the other one is, is, is interceptions. I just think it's, I think it's Tay Daly, Chris. I mean, if I don't say Tay Daly, I don't know who I'm going to say Deshaun Jerkins, maybe, uh, I, you know, Randall Haney. Uh, I, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to stick with Tay Daly. I think he has a chance to be a, a pretty good playmaker in that secondary. What about you? Defensive back to me right now is like throw 10 guys in a bag and pick any one of them out, and they're all about the same. Am I, am I, am I wrong about that? Well, I mean, it, it, no, not real. I mean, I'll, I'll say this. I think there's uh, about four or five guys with pretty close to the same ceiling. Uh, so I, I, I get that. Uh, you know, what about uh, now, uh, injury-wise, uh, he has to come back from it healthy, but, uh, you know, Frank Coppett could be one of those guys. Yeah, Coppett would be my pick if I know how healthy he's going to be, and I just don't. So I'd probably go with Jerkins just because that's that's an if. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I don't think that we have any great defensive backs, but I think we have, you know, four or five that are that are certainly certainly viable options. You know, I don't think we have a lockdown. Boy, you know, and, and you know who I'd like to see from. A size stuff. I'd really like to see Elijah McAllister. Not Elijah McAllister. Uh, Elijah Hamilton uh, step up and 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 be one of those guys. Yeah, I mean, like I said, throw them in a bag, and it's hard for me to separate most of those guys. But uh, that's the end of the mailbag, and I think that's going to be the end of the podcast. So tell people where they can find your work. Well, you can find my work at 101.5 FM in Jackson, Tennessee, uh, at uh, WNWS.com online, and, and chit-chat with me at, at Cheap Seeds Bass on Twitter, hey? All right, he's Seabass of WNWS of Jackson, Tennessee. I'm Chris Lee, the host of the Vandy Sports Podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, may drop one of these, one more later in the week, and if not, we'll be back next week. And in any case, we appreciate you listening.